Well, the summer is now upon us, and like many others, I'll be taking a short break. Well, probably quite a long break, I suppose, compared with some. I'll be away for a few weeks, during the month of August, and back again in early September. And I hope you'll join me again when we recommence. Welcome to our Catechism class. It's a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help you learn Christian doctrine with a warm and practical application. Each lesson has its own study guide, and the web link to find that guide can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's start the lesson. Welcome again to our catechism class and I apologize for the gap between the last class and this class. It was due to circumstances that were well outside my control. But we're going to return to Lord's Day 40. In our last lesson we began to look at that, the sin of murder. Um, It was the sin of murder as forbidden in the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill you shall not murder. And in our last lesson, we saw that while not all killing is murder, we have to be very, very reluctant if we ever take away a person's life, for example, for judicial reasons. But we also saw that in the Bible, abortion is murder, and that's punishable under the rule of limited retribution, a life for a life. So isn't it strange then that in our modern society, The judicial killing of a criminal, a murderer, is forbidden. But the killing of an innocent baby in the womb is not only permitted, but by some people actually celebrated. And that just shows you how morally dysfunctional the world is today. So in this study we come to question 106 to 107. And we see how murder begins in the heart of man. And we're going to look at this subject with the help of Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to verse 26. You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with Bob McAvoy. I suppose if we were going to put our lesson today into headings, then we would have two of them. And the first would be the cause of murder. And the second would be the cure for the cause of murder. And the cause of murder begins with anger in the heart. Question 106 says, But does this commandment, that's the sixth commandment, speak only of killing? And the answer given by the catechist, is by forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and the desire of revenge, and that he regards all these as murder. So while murder is not the only sin, it is certainly a heinous sin, and it should be appropriately punished. And where Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21 to 26 needed to bring some clarity to this teaching is not on the punishment for the 
crime of actual murder, the taking away of the life of another human being made in the image of God, but on where that murder starts and the source of murder, because murder begins in the heart. It begins with bitterness and anger and hatred and enmity. The Catechist insists that God hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and the desire of revenge, and he regards all these as murder. So Jesus says, I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Anger is dangerous. Anger festers and grows and gets out of control and eventually can even lead to murder. Classic example of that, of course, is road rage. You see it so often, don't you? I heard a news report some time ago. A man and a woman going shopping had noticed an empty space across the car park. The woman jumped out of the car and ran over between the other parked vehicles and stood to reserve the space while her husband drove round to reach it. The traffic in the car park was slow, so it took him a little while. Meanwhile, another driver attempted to park in the space and was prevented by the woman. Heated words were exchanged, which soon developed into a very heated argument indeed, and the woman was struck a blow to the head, and that proved fatal. Anger leading to murder. Now, there are different types of anger dealt with by Jesus here. And the first three of them are what we might call progressive. They show how anger grows and develops. There's selfish anger and contempt and destructive personal rage. So selfish anger, whoever is angry with his brother, the kind of brooding anger that thinks primarily of my rights over everybody else's, not the the kind of sharp flash of anger that dies away very quickly, a long, deliberate, smouldering anger and resentment. And Jesus says that such anger brings the angry person into danger of judgment. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8, But now ye also put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy communication out of your mouth. Selfish anger. People are angry with their brother. And then there's contempt. Whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, a strange word. The word's almost untranslatable. To call a man Raka is to despise him with arrogant contempt. It's a kind of snobbery that arises from a love of money and position and power and pride in having material things. And this sin of anger with contempt will be judged even more harshly than that of smouldering personal anger. It brings the sinner into danger of the council. And then there's destructive personal rage. Whosoever shall say, Thy fool. Raka could be translated fool. But now Jesus uses another word, which the English translations have rendered thy fool. It's the word more. Literally, to call your friend or to call your brother a moron. Do you know, I say this quite a lot on social media. Even Christians will get worked up about some issue. The latest issue, I suppose, has been the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, where Christians on social media were actually calling each other morons and wombles and 
Muppets and all sorts of things because they took an opposite um, approach, an opposite opinion on the measures that were being used to control the virus. To call a person a moron in this sense is not to question his mental ability, it's to cast aspersions upon his character, you know. And so that person being dragged into the mud, branded as a lesser person because of their personal opinions. That's destructive personal rage. And they're guilty of hellfire. Actually, the fire of Gehenna is the correct term there. Our instructor is quite justified in stating that God hates envy and hatred and anger and revenge. She hates those sinful human traits and being just and holy he must punish them and we've been warned by Jesus and we must heed the warning. Murder begins with anger in our hearts. But there's another kind of anger and we need to ask another question. Is there ever a kind of anger that is right and justified? Look at the text in the Sermon on the Mount, the passage we read. Matthew 5 and 22, I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. And Paul reminds us that there are times when we should be angry, but it must not lead us to sin. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, he says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. There is a kind of anger that believers can have and that is not sinful. The kind of anger that we have against sin. Now that kind of anger is always disciplined and always controlled and always restricted to those who are doing wrong. Wrong against God and wrong against other men. When we see injustice in the world, we should be angry. When we see people starving in the world, when there's plenty of food to go round, we should be angry. When we see people breaking God's law, when we see immorality, that should make us angry. And that anger should not lead us to sin. Okay, so what's the cure for murderous anger? The Catechist in question 109 says, Is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbour in any such way? And the answer is no. When God condemns envy, hatred and anger, he commands us to love our neighbour as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy and friendliness toward him, to protect him from harm as much as we can and to do good even to our enemies. So finally, in this Lord's Day, having talked about murder, defined murder and looked at the cause of murder, the Catechist shows a positive side to this commandment. As a Christian, we cannot be neutral. Not killing people is just not good enough. As many of you know, we had a, a lovely wee cat called Sammy. And she used to curl up on your knee and purr. And she loved to wrap herself round your legs. And I once watched a television programme about cats. 
a person who claimed to be a cat psychologist who was able to look into cat behaviour and cat motives. And that person claimed that your wee friendly cat really wants, really, really, really wants is to kill you. And the only reason that it doesn't kill you is because you're bigger and stronger than the cat. So the cat's only thinking about itself and although it really wants to kill you, it decides to befriend you instead for its own self-preservation. The lovely wee pussy who sits on your knee, according to this expert, really, really hates you. She's just using you. Now, whether you believe that or not, that's a trait we can observe in some people as well. But as Christians, we must love our neighbours. And so now when we come to the two areas in which Jesus applies his teaching on murderous anger in Matthew, we see the basis of what the Catechist is teaching us. Jesus says, be reconciled with your brother, with believers. First situation in which Jesus applies his teaching is in the case of Christians who are seeking to worship God. Verse 23 in Matthew chapter 5, Therefore if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Be reconciled. It's not enough just to be at peace and not harm your brother. You are to be reconciled to your brother and that of course implies restoration can't go to the altar to God to ask God to forgive your sins if you have not repented of that sin and attempted to make up from it for it and the second point is that we're not to let anger build up the second practical teaching of Jesus verse 25 agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the utmost farthing. That's some of the most practical advice you could ever get. You'll not get angry, and the sin of murder will not start in your heart if you deal with your problems early. Always get things settled and straightened out before the problem becomes too big to handle. Paul also gave wise advice when he said, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So Jesus teaches that you can murder a person with your thoughts and with your words. For murder begins with anger in the heart of man. Anger comes in different forms, but when it was, is without a cause... It always brings down the wrath and the judgment of God. So to avoid such judgment, practice reconciliation with your fellow believers and never let anger and unforgiveness fester in your heart. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for
The Semper Reformata podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.